It's Doable Discipleship. My name's Doug Jones. My name's Jason Wheeland. We don't care who you are. We don't care where you are. We don't care if you're a brand new listener, a long-time listener, sometimes listener. Whoever you are, we're glad you're here today. Thanks for joining us for another episode. What is this? Episode 79 of Doable Discipleship. We're coming right up on 80. Coming in hot. Very curious to see where that was going with starting with I don't care who you are, but it it ended good. (laughs) I have a particular set of skills. You do. You do. Good (laughs) job. Uh, Guys, we have a special announcement. Christmas time is here. Happiness and cheer. Okay. That is some of the Christmas most amazing falsetto I've ever heard. Thank you. Uh, guys, Christmas services are nigh. And um, <laughs> we're, we got, okay, so saddleback.com slash Christmas is your hub for everything uh, Christmas service related at Saddleback. So I believe services start on um, Saturday, December 22nd. Only your beautiful mind can remember those things. I can't remember those kind of details. Um, I believe that's the date. A quick look will confirm. Uh, The 22nd. Yeah. You nailed it. There we go. Um, So there's Christmas services. There's there's tons of Christmas service options at Saddleback, of course, not only here at Lake Forest, but at all of our campuses. So make sure to plan. Oh, and don't forget... um, Actually, this weekend, this coming weekend, December or November 30th? I know where you're going with this. In December 1st is Christmas tree lighting. Yay! So make sure to come out for that as well. That's at our Lake Forest campus. Come out for the Christmas tree lighting. It's always a blast. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate, the giant Christmas tree, all the lights, um, and um, uh, worship. Yeah, it's a wonderful time. Don't just don't miss that. If you're anywhere within driving distance, get to Lake Forest Campus for that. All right. Uh, before we get into today's episode, uh, I want to let you know we have a special two-part Advent series on doable discipleship that's going to be kicking off next weekend. So for two, or not next weekend, but next Tuesday, we're going to kick it off. We're going to be going through um, the big Advent words. Hopey J Lo, as Rick helped us remember, hope, peace, joy, and love. It just flows off the tongue. It still to this day is the only way I can remember those four <laughs> words. Hope, peace, joy, love. Hopey J Lo. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that stuff. We're going to do some fun Christmas stuff in the next uh, couple weeks. So just just don't miss those episodes. It's going to help get you in the spirit of Christmas, get you ready with the right attitudes, the right focuses, and all that stuff. Because we know it's a crazy time, but we want to maintain our focus on Jesus through those through those uh, upcoming weeks. So don't miss that stuff. Today, we've got a special guest, our buddy, Kurt Johnston. He's a longtime staff member here. He's uh, oversees all of our student ministries, oversees children's ministries, oversees a lot of stuff here at Saddleback. He is a elder on staff and uh, just a great, great dude. And he's recently began a ministry at Saddleback for parents. And we're going to be talking with him about how parenting and discipleship relate to each other. Um, I won't spoil any of it now. We're going to get into it in just a second. So stick around. Kurt's coming. Kurt, thanks for joining us for Doable today. Hey, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. This is exciting. <laughs> so, uh, Kurt, today we're talking about parenting, and you started uh, this new parenting ministry here at Saddleback, right. and you even have a parenting podcast that we'll talk a little bit sure. about later. So, can you tell us a little bit about your wife and your kids, and just a little bit about your personal story of parenting? Well, yes, um, I'm a terrible parent now, that's true. <laughs> Great way to start. I mean, I've had my terrible <laughs> moments. No, um, Great, we're being honest. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I thought I'd just kick it <laughs> off by... Um, my wife and I have been married for 27 years. Congratulations. And yeah, it's, it's been, and I think it's Rick and Kay, or Rick used to make the joke. We've been married for 26 years, and 23 of them have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been, it's been great. Um, and we have two grown children now. Our oldest is Kayla, and she is 25 24, 25. But in that counting, range. You're in the ballpark. Uh, in that range. And she is married to one of our youth pastors here at Saddleback. Yeah. So I actually see her husband, Colton, more than I see her because we work in basically the same office and yeah. we see him. That's I see him on most days. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. That's a good way. To, it's a perfect way to phrase it. Um, it's, it's 
good on most days. Um, I think it's good every day. I'm sure he has his moments where he thinks it's not so awesome. <laughs> Does Kayla um, ever be like, wow, you guys are kind of chummy? And like, I don't really know <laughs> yeah. if I like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's all of that. And then, um, and she is a, she's sort of living, I, I joke saying she's living the millennial dream in that she cuts and pastes her career and she does most of her work in her pajamas because she's a editor and a writer and she doesn't work for any one person. She works for like five different websites and wow. different curriculum people. And she just does what they ask her to do from the comfort of her bed in her PJs on her laptop. That is living. Go, She's living the dream. <laughs> She's living the dream. Um, my son, I think, wants to be living that kind of dream, but it's not working out for him as well. Um, he is 21 and still lives at home and goes to Grand Canyon University online nice. and is a sales manager at the local 24-hour fitness. Um, all right. So he's just kind of plowing through school and working yeah. and figuring it all out. And it's awesome. Yeah. It, it, it has been so fun. And I think a great way maybe to start our podcast talking about kids, my hunch is most people that are listening to this that have children probably find themselves like you two do. In the earlier phases of parenting, right? Yep. Two? I've got a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Yes. And so I have do, a five-month-old. Yeah, five months. Yes. So yeah. you're at the very, very front end. I'm towards the tail end. And what I would say to both of you and anybody who's still in the midst of raising parents or raising kids, sometimes you feel like your kids are raising <laughs> you, um, is it turns out awesome. Hmm. Like. I mean, I, I want to start with kind of where I think this whole thing might be leading. And that is mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to raise kids and there's so much expertise out there. And we look around, we saw so many different families doing it different ways and all the craziness in the world and all the fears that we have as parents mm -hmm. and your kids are going to turn out fine. Mm -hmm. They always do. I mean, oh, they really, they, 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 no, they always do, right? The Bible says raise <sighs> a kid in the way they should go. And in the end, they won't depart from it. And I, I think that that sound wisdom in Proverbs has proven itself to be true over and over and over and over again. Mm. So we'll talk about a lot of stuff. Well, that's or we nice could just be, or we just be now done. We could be done now, <laughs> and I can just end with, "Hey, hey, parents, your kids will be fine." <laughs> well, this is enough for me. <laughs> that's yeah. why you're here. It's nice to start with that load off the yeah, shoulder. Of like, yeah. okay, that's take good. some, take some pressure off yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Saddleback Parents because you just yeah. started a brand new ministry here, and I'm really excited about that. What? I mean, what made you, you've been at Saddleback for a while, but yeah. wh why was now the time? Why did you decide to do this? That's a great question. Um, I'm not really calling it a, a ministry. I'm calling it an emphasis. Mm. And I think when I think of a ministry, I think of the church has now a whole new department and all that kind of mm. stuff. And, and we don't. It's really an emphasis that for years, both our kids' ministry and our students' ministry have always said that we have three legs to our ministry. Our, our ministry stool has three legs. I remember we, the stool. We have a yeah. ministry <laughs> to students or kids. Mm -hmm. We have a ministry to all the volunteer leaders that serve within SK and Saddleback Student Ministries. And then the third leg has always been, and we have a ministry to parents. Mm -hmm. And yet we've never been anywhere close to as intentional with the parent piece as we have the ministry to kids and students, because obviously that's sort of the that's what happens every single Sunday. Every yeah, they're single showing Wednesday. up. They're yeah. showing up. We got to yeah. church. We got to disciple kids. We got to help them share their faith. All that stuff. We got to have a. We got to have a whole bunch of volunteers that are equipped and encouraged and empowered to help us do that. Yeah. Those two things. Those two pieces of the stool. Those two legs. I mean, you know, Sunday's coming. Yeah, Wednesday's they're coming. obvious. It's, it's obvious. Right. So the one that you, we could always kind of slide on in the in the urgency of the moment is the parent piece. Hmm. Now, we've always been parent-friendly, I think. We've always been good communicators with parents. When we say we're going to get home at, from camp at 2 o'clock, we do. Mm -hmm. Or if we don't, we're going to text everybody you know. and <laughs> let you know and all that kind of stuff. We check our flyers and our websites for typos and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we're parent-friendly. Yeah. And we're really responsive. Hey, if you need us, give us a call and, and we'll do whatever we can do to help you out. Hmm. We just haven't been proactively intentional. And I'm not sure why I felt like the time was now. It just felt like the time was now hmm. to say, no, we need to get a little bit more proactive in our strategy to parents, both for the parents who currently attend Saddleback and young families. You know, Saddleback was built on young families mm -hmm. coming to church and feeling like this is a place for them. And Saddleback does a great job of 
kind of hitting people where they feel the pain, where they feel the needs. And mm. man, you don't have to love Jesus to want to be a good parent. Yeah. And we just felt like this is a great opportunity for us to create some resources for our Saddleback parents, but also that our Saddleback parents would feel comfortable recommending to their friends, mm -hmm. which is why um, almost everything we're doing is on the website, saddlebackparents.com. Right. We're mm -hmm. not really having a bunch of extra meetings. It's not a ministry with all these programs. Yeah. It's really a gathering place of all the different resources and creating some new resources, the mm -hmm. podcast and the two minute tips and the on track video. I mean, the website is very, very new. It's a few weeks old, yeah. but it's, it's robust and growing and it's meant to just be a, a resource for our parents. Yeah. It's really nice too. I've spent some time oh, there you. hunting around. You guys got a lot of great resources and it's so new. The fact that it's so well-developed and so new blows me away. <laughs> well, that was my goal. I mean, my goal was I didn't want to be the, we didn't want to be the ministry or the website or the, whatever you want to call it that makes this big deal about a launch. And then you click on it and there's like one video and the, the, next to it says more coming soon. Coming yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah. We just didn't want to do that. Um, so we put the pedal to the metal out mm. of it so we could launch. Well, now it's, we have to live up to that promise. We have to feed the machine, but that's awesome. Yeah. That's great pressure to have. And yeah. I'm so convinced that parents are looking for easily accessible, tried and true, Hope and help. That's what every parent needs. In my yeah. mind, every parent just needs some hope and some help. Mm -hmm. Hope is, hey, hang in there. You're going to be okay. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. You know, your your child, your your 13 year old, isn't the only one who rolls their eyeballs at you. Yeah. You know, it's going to be okay. Mm. Your your kid will make some bad choices and they'll bounce back. Hang in there. It's the hope, kind of like we talked about at the beginning mm -hmm. of, the, of the podcast. Yeah. They're going to turn out okay. Help is, and by the way, here's a book you can read. Mm. Hey, here's a video training. Hey, here's something to think about. And, and that's what I want Saddleback Parents. We just want to help parents win. That's kind of our tagline, mm. helping parents win. Yeah. Um, and I think this might segue into some of our conversation, but the deeper tagline for us in-house is we want to help parents raise interdependent, lifelong followers of Jesus who want to make a kingdom contribution. Wow. That's sort of our goal at Saddleback is, you know, we don't have opinions as far as Saddleback Parents goes about how to help your kid get into the school of their dreams. Yeah. Um, we, we don't, you know, help my kid get on their traveling soccer team. We don't, we don't help parents get their kids on the traveling soccer team. Yeah, you don't see those as like integral components of a kid's life, right? Yeah. We don't. I think they, they can be. They pretty, can be important. They, they, they can, can be, be pretty great. important. Yeah. But we just want to help parents win in their, for me as a pastor and a parent, at the end of the day, I think the ultimate purpose of parenting, the ultimate goal of parenting is to raise your kids to be interdependent. Mm. In other words, they can stand on their own two feet. They can pull themselves up by the bootstraps, but they need community. Yeah. They understand the importance of being part of a church family and a small group and all that kind mm. of stuff, interdependent, lifelong followers of Jesus mm -hmm. who just want to make a difference for the kingdom. And however God shaped and wired them, they want to make a contribution to the kingdom in their own special way. Mm. If, if parents can kind of like wash their hands when their child's 25 years old and go, whoa, that my kids, my kid is hitting all three of those. Yeah. Then whether they went to college or not, or they're in the right career or not, that stuff all sorts itself out. And none yeah. of that stuff matters in a kingdom in, sense. In the kingdom sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's Man, that's really encouraging to hear. And I feel like it's coming at the perfect time because <laughs> like with us at the stage <laughs> we're in, we're right. like, I'm really glad you picked now, to, now <laughs> well, and not any later. To well, do and, this. and and I think you guys, some parents oftentimes fall into one of two categories. Not all of them, but oftentimes, one is they don't think about it at all. Hmm. They don't. They don't think about. It's just almost this laissez-faire parenting approach. Eh, whatever's hmm. meant to be will be. They'll figure it out. School of hard knocks. You know, they'll learn it. Hmm. That was kind of my parents' strategy, to be hmm. honest. Or they overthink it. And yeah. they put too much pressure and they, they, they helicopter parent and they hyper parent and they, mm. they, they mm. carry too much of the burden and too much of the responsibility. Mm. Um, and I think there's probably a healthy medium in there that as parents, we should be striving for. Yeah. Well, it's good to, it's good to have, have people that are really trying to point that out to, to parents. Cause a lot of times parents don't realize that they are one way or the other. Right. And so it's really helping and saying, hey, like here's here's some 
a tips and tricks yeah. and all this different, you know, and, and different ways to approach different sorts of situations. And I stuff. agree. And it's tough. I mean, you got to be pretty good friends with somebody yeah. before you're going to pull them aside and say, here, Hey, here's what I've noticed about your parenting style. Totally. Yeah. You know, that, you know, don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion and probably don't talk <laughs> about parenting style. That might be the third one yeah. that is a culture we try to kind of, um, but most parents would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think in, in, in a sense, some of the stuff we're doing at Saddleback Parents is our way of helping parents self-identify. So mm-hmm. uh, just today, before I came in here, I wrote a, a, a blog post, um, Santa strategies, mm-hmm. heading into the, the holidays. Like, here's some strategies to approach the Santa dilemma that Christian parents are right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I wasn't making a judgment statement on which one's right or wrong. I just want to help parents go, oh. You know, we've been doing it this way, but this way makes a little bit more sense to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate this coming from someone like you who's further down the road in parenting. I mean, you've got grown kids now. And one thing I think, first of all, when it comes to conversations about parenting, I don't feel, I don't really feel permission to tell people what I think about their parenting because on, for one, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> but hearing from somebody who kind of knows how this stuff plays out over time yeah. and has the experience and who can just say, Look, I care about you as a parent. I want you to win as a parent. I love that tagline, by the way. I love the simplicity of that. It just, it captures it just in a nutshell so well. Um, Today we're talking about, uh, obviously, you know, it's dual discipleship. We're talking about kind of the the intersection point between our life as parents and our life as disciples. And I know that personally, my my walk with Jesus changed dramatically when I became a parent. Like there was a major transformation that happened there. Can you talk about, can you talk a little bit about how, Becoming a parent and then life as a parent transformed you. Sure, um, you know, as a as a Christian, and then especially as a, as a youth pastor and a pastor, we I always recognize that a major responsibility, privilege, role as a Christ follower is to reproduce that in in people. Right, the mm-hmm. the, yeah. the Paul Timothy model yeah. of reproducing and helping the next generation be followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a given, at least we, we now how well we're doing it and all that is different, but we all kind of recognize that's something we're supposed to be doing. Mm. And when I became a dad, oh man, all of a sudden that responsibility felt infinitely heavier <laughs> yeah. because there now all of a sudden there's nobody else in my life who's younger, less mature in their faith, et cetera, that's more important to me yeah. and arguably nobody who I have a bigger responsibility to. Than, and have a greater influence or on. have a greater influence on yeah. than my kids. Yeah. And so for me, it was just that wake up call. And then I quickly learned, and you guys are on the five months, not quite there yet. <laughs> five and two, you're getting there. Amelia, especially our five-year-old, we're really starting yep. to get into it now. And you're starting to realize, oh, it's so much easier to replicate and model Christianity and change the next generation when they're not living under your roof 24 yeah. seven, when they don't know the real you, <laughs> yeah. right? When they don't see the good, the bad and the ugly. It, it was, I was a, I was a great youth pastor. Yeah. I mean, I could disciple everybody else's kids, mm-hmm. but then doing it for your own flesh and blood mm-hmm. takes on a whole, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. And it brings out all kinds of insecurities. And I mm-hmm. think that's oftentimes where parents struggle Yeah, is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not very good at this myself. How can, yeah. I, how can I replicate it in my kids? Or they're they're afraid of their kids seeing them as a little bit hypocritical or whatever because they're maybe they're not living out aspects of what they're trying mm. to replicate in their kids. Yeah, and so that kind of paralyzes some parents from even maybe taking baby steps. Mm-hmm. At least, and, and that was my case a little bit. Like I I really struggled with figuring it out. Yeah. But but it's a long journey. I feel like. Uh, Having kids, especially now with Amelia, she's getting older because now she's becoming more aware. She's asking bigger questions. Right. She's making more astute observations yeah. about us. And <laughs> and parenting really, at least where I am on the journey, has shined a light on a lot of character traits in me that, you know, for better or worse, it's revealing a lot of what's kind of inside me. Sure. Is there, were there some character traits that, that God used the parenting journey to develop in you over time? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, obviously, the the answer to that has to be yes, has to be. Um, and I, I I think there's probably some universal ones like patience. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's every single parent. If we're open to it, God's gonna 
use parenting yeah. to help us develop mm-hmm. and mature in our patients. Yeah, how could it not? Um, how can it not? <laughs> um, for me, here here's the big one. And and this took me a long time. It was the selfishness. Mm. Like parenting for me revealed how self-centered I am. Dude, yes. Not not in a sinful, grotesque, the world revolves around Kurt way, but a little bit in a, the world revolves around Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, my wife, we're kind of into the Enneagram, with the, the, oh, the yeah. personality test. My wife is a nine, so she's a supporter, a peacekeeper, Jason. a put others first person. So it was pretty easy for me to kind of let the world spin around my schedule and my mm-hmm. interests. And she would just happily, for the most part, be a part of that and go yeah. with it. And then when you have kids, that forces some new priorities and some sacrifices and putting other people in front of myself. And that, it it revealed, that wasn't as easy for me as I would have liked. Oh, yeah. Um, And so being a dad really forced me to think about others um, in ways that I just frankly kind of hadn't had to up until that point. You just captured what I think is like one of the biggest things God is doing on me right now. Yeah. That process. I think too, we've talked like when we did our, we did a relationship principles series um, several weeks back, we went through pastor Tom's book and talked about some of the great stuff he teaches there. Um, one thing we talked about in that series, and I think we all just have built into our picture of relationships is we always have a hidden agenda in relationships in the sense that we always, we as believers, we want to do, we want to show kindness to others. We want to, we want to meet their needs. We want to care for them. But in the back of our mind as humans, we typically have a hidden expectation that when push comes to shove, they're going to meet my needs too. There's and something in it for me. me. Yeah. And honestly, from the very first, and Jason, you can probably identify with this too, even just having been being you know, five months old, from the very beginning, you're plunged into a relationship with another person that by definition can't meet your needs, right. can't reciprocate that love back to you, you know? And I... Th- I, I, but what I've found personally is that it, it's like, it's taken me into a new uh, area of growth where now I'm having, it's like God is calling me to love a little bit more like the way he loves, you know, like where we're, we're actually, we're actually learning to love a little bit more like Jesus, sure. where he loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us even when we were powerless to, to give that love back to him or, or we were too rebellious to do that. And now I'm I'm starting to kind of get a better appreciation mm. for God's love for us. This unconditional love—it's a love that says, "I love you, even if you don't reciprocate." Right. And dude, that's from day one. That's been like the thing that I feel like God has begun like pulverizing my heart on the sure. selfishness sure. issue. Sure. Mm, sure. Man, it really like I said, it shined a light on yeah. a part of me that I that could have been hidden forever. You know that that may right. never have come to the surface right. through any other means. Yeah, but God's decided good. to use that's that. Good. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Um, as we talk about discipleship and, you know, you, you hinted to this idea a minute ago that um, we're called to now not just be disciples of Jesus, but as parents, we're disciplers. Um, we're actually teachers. So we actually take on a dual role where we're continuing to follow Jesus. And like 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, which would probably be our verse of the day, <clears throat> is a verse where Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. Right. And how do you see that playing out as parents? And what are the, what do you think the the basic tools are that a parent needs to succeed at that calling. Oh gosh. Well, I, I think the verse obviously phrases it in a perfect way. Yeah. Follow my example as I follow Christ. So you, you said the word, you know, we're teachers. And I think for me, how I would encourage parents is yeah, we're teachers, but the best teachers aren't the ones who just give good lectures and good lessons verbally. It's the example, Mm -hmm. right? It's the, it's the learning through experience. Oh, does it have to be that hard? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, but here's what I'd say. I I don't think it's as hard as we think. Mm. And what I mean by that is I would take, again, I go back to taking a little bit of pressure off of ourselves Mm. because we hear, man, we got it. We have to disciple our kids and we have to teach them the ways of the Lord. True. Sounds intense. True. But that doesn't necessarily mean these intense, well-thought-out, well-articulated family conversations that we have every single night for 30 minutes as Mm -hmm. part of – it might include some of that, but so much of it is follow me as I follow Jesus. Mm. Like, I'm just going to model what this looks like. Yeah. You're you're, going to catch me reading my Bible. 
Mm. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to notice that mom and dad decide to skip out on some things, some invitations or opportunities because they fall on a Sunday and mom and dad just don't want to skip church on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that mom and dad have a, have a, their, their own small group or their own tight circle of Christian friends who support each other and pray for each other. And they're there when they need each other. And so much of just following Jesus is, you know, we've all heard the saying it's caught, not taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sensitive to it because in the church that I came to Christ in, I saw so many parents who seemed to be saying all the right things, teaching all the right things, mm. but they just kind of weren't living it out in a real tangible way that their kids could go, oh, that's what it means to be a genuine follower of Jesus. So they said mm. the right words. I'm sure they all prayed at bedtime, but then how they responded to the real world around them, mm. how they modeled priorities to their kids didn't jive with the stuff they were talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And if a picture paint, if a picture paints a thousand words, if a picture is worth a thousand words and our actions matter more than our words, all that stuff that we know to be true, I would say to parents, your best, your best, not your only, but your best arrow in your parenting quiver of discipling your kids is just living a genuine life of faith in front of your kids. Yeah. Um, because they, when they're young, they're all in that, whatever you're doing. I mean, they're, they're with you guys 24 seven for the most part. Mm -hmm. So they're seeing it all, absorbing it all as they get older. They're not around you as much. Mm. Right. But now everything they've seen modeled over the years, that's the stuff that then affects their game time decisions and all that kind of stuff. I think there's, there's such a big part of, of parenting that is, that is in the moment living and it's the subconscious stuff. It's the stuff that you don't even, you know, it's the unpremeditatedness. So it's different than say you were talking about being a youth pastor and being a parent and, and, and those differences. And you don't have the time as a parent to sit and prep a message and prep something you want to talk about and have it, you know, and then, and then get to have a set time where like, this is teaching time. This is, you know, and everybody's expecting to be taught at a different, you right. know, in this time at home, it's just these in the moments, it's something has happened or it's just how you live your life with your wife and with your kids and with your neighbors and with your family. And it's, it's, that's the, it's, it's, it's truly how you live your right. life. Well, and I'm of the opinion that everything teaches something, mm-hmm. right? So yes, we can totally. have we can create these strategic family devotions. Awesome, wonderful. There's websites full of them, right? Mm-hmm. But everything we do as a parent is is teaching something to our kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, when when we're kind to a stranger, that's teaching a fruit of the spirit to our kids. Yeah. When our kids see us disagree with our spouse and then apologize. Right. Or, 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 you know, say something we regret and apologize and our, our children hear us. That's modeling humility. And when they, when the spouse actually does forgive, that's modeling (laughs) forgiveness and grace. Right. And what's that teaching the kid? That's teaching, oh, they'll forgive me when I mess up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I don't have to be afraid of messing up in this house. Yeah. Um, everything that happens Mm -hmm. is, is teaching our kids something Mm -hmm. that hopefully is a, a Christian way of, of viewing the world and treating each other and responding to circumstances. And that's the stuff that they'll remember well past a specific. Now they might remember, man, my dad did devotions every Tuesday night and it's a good memory. They probably won't remember too many of the devotions, right? Yeah. Um, My, the pastor at the church, the senior pastor at the church that I went to as a teenager, when I came to Christ, he used to talk this story. He was kind of a punky rebellious teenager. And he always told the story of, Every Friday night, he would go out goofing around. And every Friday night when he came home, his mom's light was on. His dad was asleep. (laughs) And his mom's light was on in the bedroom. And he would look in there. And she was always on her knees praying for him. Mm -hmm. Because she knew he was out goofing around. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, he's at the time, he's in his 50s. And he said, that is a memory that was etched in my mind of just faithful Mm -hmm. prayer, Mm -hmm. unconditional love for your kids. Yeah. trusting in God's sovereignty that's all going to work out. And that her modeling that and him seeing that in action was a bigger life lesson and faith lesson than any family devotion they could have ever had. Yeah. 
yeah. is probably a lesson that he couldn't appreciate at the time. Right. But there was an underlying, there was an, something was being conveyed in an underlying way that clearly had a, a deep impact. I th- and that's kind of what I'm hearing, hearing come out of this conversation too, is that there's, sometimes we have like an explicit teaching where we're like, like if I talk to Amelia, like, babe, this is not how we do things. We right. need to do, this is how we behave in this family, that kind of stuff. But then there's this kind of teaching that is sort of implicit in everything that we do. And um, I think the question has got to be, what, what, like, what big picture life lesson am I teaching to my kids through those, these little right. interactions? Because I, I agree with what you said, Jason. It feels like, you know, it feels like, you know, at the end of the day, you get the kids in bed and that kind of stuff, at least at our stage when the kids are little. You get them in bed, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief that everyone's asleep, and you're like, okay, <laughs> we can rest now, like another day. You know, we, we, got, we, yep. we, we got through another bedtime. Yep. Our kids share a room, so bedtime is always like a little bit of a crazy thing with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. But, um, you know, reflecting on the day and just thinking about, like, you know, what did, what did we teach today? What, what, were the, what were interactions like today, and how can we improve these for tomorrow? Um, but I, I love this absorption idea because it kind of, it, like you said, it takes a little bit of pressure off because I, I, I like realizing that I don't have to be taking a knee with my kids every couple hours and and teaching them another life Mm -hmm. lesson. Right. Really, I just need to be trying to do my best to follow Jesus. And if I do that, and if, if I have some success at that by applying myself and depending on God and that sort of thing. Then my kids will sort of come into the wake of that process. Totally, mm-hmm. I see. I see this with my wife. My wife, she stays home with the kids at this at this season, and she does her quiet time in the morning. Because if she tries to do it in the evening, like she's toast. You know, like she's <laughs> been with the kids all day, and there's just no. That's not going to be her best time for God. So she'll usually do her quiet time after she drops Emmy off at school, and she comes home, and she's with Jude. And Jude sees her doing her quiet time. And the funny thing about that is, I'll come home and I'll see Jude with her Bible, and he'll just be flipping through <laughs> her Bible. And he'll be like, Daddy, I'm doing my quiet time. <laughs> he doesn't know what the heck he that has even no idea. is. Right. But because purely because he sees her doing it, mm-hmm. that's beginning to build a habit in him and a way of thinking about God right. is important and God's word is important. And right. we make sure that's a part of our daily life. Right. And if you combine that, because it's not either or, I think so yeah. many th- so many things in life are both and. Yeah, you gotta it's, say it's it a sometimes. parallel tracks that Pastor Rick and Kay talk about all yeah. the time, you know, that life is these parallel totally. tracks. Mm-hmm. And it is parallel tracks of intentionality because nothing, hardly anything good happens completely by accident. Yeah. So we I heard ha- a really good podcast on that recently. <laughs> we, have, we have to be intentional in yeah. certain areas of our parenting. Right. And that intentionality certainly can and should include aspects of discipling our kids and having structured family devotions or, or Bible time or serving together or whatever, mm-hmm. going to church together. And this absorption approach. Yeah. This they're gonna they're gonna just see it all around them. Mm-hmm. And it'll be such a part of our family's DNA that they won't be able to escape it when they're older. Yeah. It, they'll just assume this is the right way to follow Jesus. I mean, mm. we just yeah. go to church. We, mm. we're we're just generous with our fi- our finances and our time and our talent. We just mm. we just love people. Yeah. Of course we're in community. Of course we're in a small group of close friends. That's just what I don't know why. I mean, we just did it my whole life. I saw my parents. <laughs> it's just the way right? it is. It's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah. And that's good. Totally. Right? And you, some of the intentionality behind it is the conversations about, you know, you don't want forever to not know why you do it. Yeah. You don't want to forever, especially when they go off to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And now all of a sudden there's a whole new wide world opened up to them. You want them to have some anchors, some of the whys and some of the foundation that comes through a little bit more intentionality. Yeah. But the the parallel tracks of that, I think, are a I mean, they're they're a one-two punch that is pretty tough for the enemy or the world to combat, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's good. So what would you say, Kurt, are some of the most common or biggest pitfalls that, that parents often can find themselves in? Oh, the most common pitfalls. Where to begin? Where to begin? Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say that one one common, maybe the most common, is forgetting what it was like to be a kid themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not a lack of love. I would say maybe it's a lack of empathy mm. because they just can't remember. Mm-hmm. And and when we can't remember what it was like to be in fourth grade, which naturally we don't remember most of it. Yeah. 
um, it's it's way harder to empathize and sort of put ourselves in the shoes of our fourth grade child mm. when you can't remember all the peer pressure and all the struggles and all the conflict in your home as a teenager. Mm. Well, then it's much harder as a parent to have patience and empathy for our teenagers who are going through all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I would encourage parents to maybe not, you know, how do you go back to being five months old? What yeah. was it like? <laughs> yeah. um, but at a certain point, a spe- you know, where, where so much of the parenting strife kicks in. Now, there's always parenting strife, bedtime, all that stuff. Um, but where a lot of it starts to crank up is in that sort of that preteen. So maybe that 10 to 18, those eight years, mm. man, oh man, that's where parents in, in my experience as a youth pastor, um, that's where it, it, it just gets, to, you know, it goes to an 11. Yeah. But, but get in a little time machine and go back and like in your mind, walk the halls of your elementary school when you were in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Think about your typical struggles when you were in 10th grade mm-hmm. and how your parents responded to them. How would you have liked them to respond? Mm-hmm. What did you fight with your parents about? What were your pushbacks? How much independence did you want? Mm. How how excited were you when they asked 35 questions the moment you walked in the door, right? Um, <laughs> no, tell me about your day. Yeah. Don't just say so, fine. Yeah, don't, don't just say fine. So I think a a forgetting what it was like mm. is a is a big pitfall. If you can remember what it was like, your empathy just grows. That's a really um, good one. And then I'll, I'll, I'll say one more thing is I think um, – a mistake or a pitfall parents make is their desire to have open communication because every expert and every parent who's my age would say, man, communication with your kids is number one. Mm. Like keep those communication lines open. If your kids are talking to you, that's a good thing. A mistake parents often make is in attempts to keep the communication lines open, they actually close them down. And what I mean by that is they actually close communication down in one of two ways, how they respond. So they want to be open, but they, they, they respond too aggressively. Yeah. They can't keep it together. They can't keep it together. (laughs) You know, I like to tell parents, Hey, freak out on the inside, but stay calm on the outside (laughs) or freak out after (laughs) or freak out (laughs) after the fact. But in the moment, you know, you just, you respond like, because if your child is sharing stuff with you, that's really good, good, good. It's all not, it's not all good news what they're yeah. sharing, but it's good news that they're sharing. And, yeah. and how we respond oftentimes ultimately shuts down the communication, even though we don't want it to. Yeah. The other is forcing conversation when we want it to happen instead mm. of when they're open to it. Mm. So in my experience, everybody has what I would call a window of conversation. And that is times when they are, their window is more open to talking. My daughter's window of conversation when she was little was on the way home from school in the car. That was just when she was more open to talking. She liked to debrief and talk about her day on the way home from school. Mm -hmm. Our son wanted to get in the car and fall asleep. Hmm. His window of conversation was at bedtime during the bedtime routine. Hmm. And what'll happen is parents want to have conversation, especially the serious conversations when they feel the most urgency and when their window, their personal window is open. Mm -hmm. So mom wants to talk on the way home from school because she's got a captive audience, but she's trying to force the window open Mm. and the kids trying to force it closed because they just want 15 minutes of, of headphones or 15 minutes to take a Mm -hmm. nap or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, Or they, the dad doesn't realize that, man, if I just spent 10 minutes up in my daughter's bedroom or my son's bedroom during the the bedtime routine, all of a sudden they're going to open up yeah, and they're going to start talking, but mm-hmm. that's not when his window's open. He wants to watch CNN or whatever. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't crawl through the window of conversation when it's wide open. Um, so I would just encourage parents don't really pay that much attention. You're the mature one. You're the older one. Your window of conversation isn't that important. It's when, when does your child seem the most open hmm. to conversations? And the more serious the conversation is going to be, the more attention you need to pay 
that now if you want to talk about hey i want to raise your allowance that their, their window is going to open it doesn't matter when <laughs> anytime's a good time it, anytime's yeah. a good time but if you're going to if you're going to have a more serious conversation yeah. um you need to really pay attention to when their window is open and that goes back mm -hmm. to what you're talking about with selfishness thing is it's not around your schedule it's, it's right. you really need to adjust accordingly because there's because those times are precious and valuable and uh, make those adjustments and it, it, it's tough we're busy we got our own lives. We got our own stresses, our own concerns. It's yeah, tough yeah, yeah. to go back. It goes back to the selfish thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we decided to have kids, when we were gifted with kids, the rules of the game changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The rules of the game changed. And now it's about them. It's not about me. Yeah. Yeah. And you find yourself, I mean, it goes, like you said, it goes back to the selfishness idea that now it's easy to look at kids, especially young kids like I've got, and be like, you're upset because your yogurt fell on the ground. And you're freaking out and and i'm supposed to show empathy and like you know care and that kind of stuff and you don't have any idea the stuff that's going on in my head and what i'm dealing with because grown-up problems seem so big and right. kid <laughs> problems can often seem so small right and that can just gut our ability to actually show genuine empathy to a kid oh, whose yeah. feelings and whose feelings and experience in life right. is genuine and real yeah. and intense for them well think about the old saying don't cry over spilt milk that's a yeah. grown-up response right don't yeah. cry over spilt milk it's just spilt milk we got another we got the whole carton in the refrigerator yeah like save your tears for stuff that matters right. but for a five-year-old that that matters i just yeah. spilt they don't they don't connect the dots that there's more milk or whatever mm. the case may be yeah. and so when you say to a, a a junior higher hey get over it mm. you'll make more, you'll make new friends we say get over it and you'll make new friends like it's the easiest thing in the world right their whole world just fell apart because mm. one of their best buddies picked on them or, or, or ignored them at school or they had a falling out and so the ability to go i gotta again put myself in their shoes mm. and try to remember which is hard yeah um because that requires usually hitting the pause button before we respond yeah, yeah. and most parents aren't good at that i'm not good at that Right. Like, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I, I respond now. Yeah. Well, if I can just hit pause for a couple seconds or maybe five minutes before I go upstairs and talk to my son about his attitude towards his mom or whatever, mm -hmm. my, whatever it might've been. Usually when I hit pause, I'm better off for it. Mm -hmm. I'm almost, I almost, I very rarely regret what happens next if I hit yeah. pause before. Yeah. To totally That's true. Good. You, you made me think of something, sorry, Jason, I'm cutting you off, but you're fine. There's a, uh, you, you made me think about because you, you talk about this idea of like, you know, you know, you lose a friend, it's like your world is falling apart. And it made me think of there's there was an analogy that um that a pastor that I used to know used that was really, I thought really wise. And he talked about how, you know, if you're if your world is the size of, say, this sheet of paper, and you put a problem in that thing like, you know, the size of your phone, it's an enormous problem. Because right. it uh, it feels well, like you it's have, a huge, you have one of those enormous phones. <laughs> I have a pretty big put minor Jason's long, normal yeah, average man phone. <laughs> there you go. It, it not, that be, you know, <laughs> not that big. Hey, it could be bigger. Is that a cell phone or a, it's not the or a flat screen television? <laughs> yeah, I'll feel the <laughs> analogy may be ruined. <laughs> no, please continue, Doug. Anyway, uh, I'll cut right to the chase. <laughs> so, you know, I think we we measure our kids' problems against our world, not against their world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we see them dealing with something that uh, actually is a big part of their world and really feels like a, a big challenge that they really need help figuring out and getting through, we measure it against our world and we just go, that's so tiny, that's so insignificant, right. so it's silly to be so worked up over that. But I think if we can just put ourselves in our kids' shoes, like you said, remember what it was like to be little. Remember what it was like to be in high school. Remember all the stresses and the emotions that came with that time of life and show a little bit of empathy and couple that with, you know, hitting the pause button and responding yeah. at the proper time yeah. with some wisdom. Mm. Um, man, what a what a great way forward. This does not answer the pot the the pitfalls question, Jason. That's all right. This might be answering a question that you're not asking. I think it ties into the discipleship question. I think one other great way to disciple our kids. I'm not sure how much longer we have to talk. Please I'll just, I'll just, continue. I, I love this topic. Keep We're not running keep out of tape. Um, no. <laughs> I think inviting your kids into your family's journey mm. is a great way to disciple them. What I mean mm. by that is, obviously, there's some stuff that our kids don't have to be privy to, but as they get older there's probably a little bit less and less stuff that they shouldn't be privy to. Hmm. So allowing them to, I don't know, be a little bit aware 
that finances are a little bit tough this month, and we're going to pray and trust God to provide. Mm-hmm. Allowing them to be a little bit aware that um, Uncle Bob and Aunt Susan um, are in a in a place where they're struggling in their relationship a little bit, which is why Aunt Susan didn't come to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And talking about it. And we're going to pray for them. We're going to trust that God's going to, whatever's going on, that God's going to do a miracle in their relationship because God loves marriages, right? Like allowing our kids to be part of that journey appropriately is a great way for them to see that how our faith affects a whole bunch of our life in Mm. ways that they didn't even realize was going on. They didn't even know was happening. We weren't allowed to talk about it. They observe, you know, our, our, our kids notice. Yes, they do. So why not sort of use that as a chance to infuse faith and a trust in Christ and a, the promises of his word into our, into our family's daily stuff? That's, yeah. And, and how and when and all that is, is to be determined, right? And it might look different for each family, but I think that's a, a powerful way to disciple our kids conveys That's, trust too to a child it does saying, i mean yeah. it's saying i'm trusting you with with a big issue i'm right. I'm, I'm letting you in on something yeah. that's a big deal and i'm going to help you process that and i think there's I, I think it begets future honesty right right you're yeah as you said is kids are, are observant and they can see what's going on but also as they hear from other people their opinions about what's going on too right so mm-hmm. it's good to you know, make sure to have our family values opinions yep yep as a part of that yeah good. parents can't stay silent on those important issues cuz the rest of the world is not silent on exactly. on exactly. what it thinks um, all right kurt you started by giving some hope to parents which is great so we'll kind of uh move towards the end of 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 the discussion with what would you say to a parent who's struggling right now mm. well i would i think i would universally say it's going to be okay. You know, kind of like what we started with. Um, I've just seen it over and over and over again. Too many kids struggle and families struggle and God's faithfulness prevail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it over and over and over again. So it's very hard for me to lose that hope. Um, and then the other thing I think I would say is anything's better than nothing. So if a parent's struggling to have some kind of prayers with their kid or devotions and they, they're, he and his wife, or they've talked about, we need to do this, but it seems so daunting and we, we're not equipped. Well, you're doing nothing now. So give it a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, like give it, like take, a, one. take a baby step. Yeah. And especially when they're young, your, your five month old isn't going to know that you're terrible at family devotions, <laughs> right? I mean, so you can practice, you can practice. Get that practice. Amelia's going. Amelia's getting old enough to where she might realize, "Oh, dad's not very good at this." But but start start somewhere, right? Yeah. Hey, I know I need to pray for my my child, but I can't. I don't have 20 minutes a day to pray for my kids. Well, then don't pray 20 minutes a day. Pray for them 30 seconds a day when they hop out of the car when you drop them off at school. When you hear that that car door click, yeah. You let that car door closing be your trigger. I'm going to pray for 30 seconds for my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, any effort is better than, than, than no effort. And baby steps matter. You know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. And baby steps do get you to where you're going. Yeah. And eventually those steps will get bigger and stronger and faster and all that good stuff. Yeah, but they add up. They add up. Mm-hmm. And then I think my third piece of encouragement would be um, just to always remember that your kids are, you're not going to ever, you know, there's no perfect parents. I'm not sure who, we, you know, whatever, Billy Graham, Pastor Rick and Kay, whoever it is, they're not perfect parents. Yeah. There's, there's no such thing as perfect parents except for one, right? And our kids have a heavenly father who they are the apple of his eye mm-hmm. and he loves them dearly and he holds them in the palm of his hand and he, in his sovereignty, in his grace, Jeremiah 29, 11, I mean, he has, he has good plans for our kids. Mm. And I think we can mess things up. I mean, parents do damage in kids. But it's harder to really, truly mess them up than we think it is. Mm. And what I mean by that is 
God's love and his sovereignty and his plans for our lives are bigger and stronger and have a stronger grip on our kids' destiny mm. than does our ability to mess that up. Mm. So hang in there, take some baby steps, be intentional, just live in life, live it yourself, and your kids will absorb it. And at the end of the day, you, you just say, God, they're your kids. I trust you. We're doing the best we can. I want to raise them to be lifelong followers of you who are interdependent and they want to make a difference in the world. Mm. And they'll be, they'll be great. Yeah. Man, great word. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling better. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I got another week in me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about some doables as we wrap up. Uh, I think the big doable this week is everybody got to go to saddleback.com, excuse me, saddlebackparents.com. Um, tell us again about the tools that they can find there, just yeah. to make sure that everyone knows. There's yeah, a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of stuff. On saddlebackparents.com, currently you'll find a, a few categories. Mm-hmm. We've got a whole bunch of these two-minute tips. They're just little two-minute videos with other parents giving a parenting tip on any one of a bunch of topics. Yeah, There are on-track parenting video sessions and those are about 20 minutes with discussion reflection questions that you can do on your own at starbucks Hmm. you can do them in your small group there's only three up there now but eventually there'll be 30 Um, i'm sure you could just do that with a spouse you could do that with a spouse yeah yeah. there is a blog with a bunch of articles there are book summaries sort of like little cliff notes for some of our favorite parenting books Hmm. um and let's not forget the Parent Skills Podcast. Yeah, the Parent, thank you. The is pa- subscribing to right now the in Parent their app. Parent Skills Podcast. My goal for that is two episodes per month, so I'm not nearly as prolific as you guys are. <laughs> um, I'm about 50% as prolific. Yours will probably be a lot better. And, and so far, <laughs> well, so far, we're struggling with... Well, I'm struggling with, <laughs> with the technology and all that kind of stuff. I'm well, a, I've listened I'm, to your first two, and they're both really, <laughs> well, really good. You. I found them helpful. Um, and that's for now, that's about it. There's, eventually, there's going to be a category on there called the vault. Hmm. And the vault is where we just throw all kinds of parenting stuff that didn't fit one of the other premier categories. Nice. So we've sort of got our like five premier categories, and then the vault will be, that's awesome. Let's just throw it in there. Just grab people bag. Gotta see yeah, it. The yeah. grab bag. The grab bag. That's cool. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks for sharing those resources. I'm I'm really excited that I'm raising my yeah. kids in this season at Saddleback. Go they, ahead. They can also subscribe to our text message, our parent text messaging. Oh. How do they do that? Well, I should, should we put it in the show I, I, notes? I, yeah, put it in the show notes. All right. Or, or they can go to the, to the website and the instructions are there. But we okay. send out one or two, very, very limited, just encouraging text messages to parents every single week. That's Sweet. cool. Yeah. We'll put the details. We'll get the details from you after yep. we'll put those in yeah. the show notes. So please go do that. Kurt, thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks for man. having I me. I love this. This is a thanks good time. That's fun. All right, we'll have you on we'll again real soon. Good. All right. See you guys. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, You can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.